Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Coors Light presents Heavy Montreal, July 28th and 29th, outdoors at Parc Jean-Drapeau, featuring Avenged Sevenfold, Rob Zombie, and Marilyn Manson. A weekend of hard rock and metal with Gojira, Emperor, Under Oath, Hollywood Undead, and many more. Festival passes are on sale now. See the full lineup at heavymontreal.com. Produced by Avenco. Hi, I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. On this episode, we're going to talk some rock, some metal, and anything else we feel like. We're also going to jam some tunes, have a drink, and share some honest opinions. Thanks for listening to the Talking Metal Podcast. Let's get things started. Here's an old classic that sounds just as good today as it did when we were kids.
shooting my way, but I won't be the martyr. I know you see it wrong, the cover don't belong. I'm holding tight, don't you push me too far, yes. to another episode. This is episode 748. Unbelievable. It's crazy. Yeah, my voice is still scratchy because I think I blew it out during Queensryche at M3, just screaming my head off you and tend crying to do that. because yeah. they went in when they started playing scream screaming in digital. I just I couldn't believe they were reaching for such a deep cut that I love so much. Uh what 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 uh what a great time it was at m3 i'm so sorry you weren't there this year you will be there next year guaranteed emily i was so sad to miss out i really really missed you guys a ton real quick we got two great guests mark torian from bullet boys and the one the only lizzie borden is back guys and he's here on talking metal so we're going to get to those interviews in just a minute but emily you have a community theater performance that's going on and you're I saw it on Sunday you're doing such a great job and I'm such a terrible husband because I I didn't go to the the first opening night because I went down to M3 but you're you're such a cool wife because you let me do that and uh, I, I I thank you for that and and I'm so sorry you missed M3 but you're excellent in it it's called Legally Blonde it's playing in South Orange New Jersey at the Interact Theater or the at the what is the theater the Beard it's at the Baird, but yeah, the, the name Baird. of the theater company is Interact. Right. And you do a great job and Thanks. really steal the show. So everyone who lives in New Jersey should go see that in South Orange playing uh, this May, May 2018, Legally Blonde, starring Emily. Starring? You're so... Yeah. <laughs> I'm no, not... No, you are, it is starring you. I I'm mean, a you're featured not... role. I'm a oh, featured role, probably. Okay. Something like that. All right. I jump rope while I'm singing. Yeah, it's anyone. awesome. It's seriously, it's it's awesome. Out of I think out of all the the shows you've done, I mean, it's one of my favorites. It really, is. really, yeah, yeah it's better really than good. nine to five. That no, I like nine, I like the nine to five better. For those of you who don't know, I played Dora Lee Rhodes, which is the Dolly Parton role in nine to five. That was my yeah. favorite role ever. Yeah, no, that that was awesome. That was an uh, and you were amazing in that. All all your performances have been good, but I really enjoyed seeing Legally Blonde, and you have you. I mean, you're. To me, one of the, especially in the second half, you're one of the main characters, so. I guess so. Yeah, absolutely. So on that note, enough of that. Let's, um, let's, let's gear up for lots of M3 coverage coming to Talking Metal and TalkingRock.net. Oh, man, so many interviews. Lynch Mob, Queensryche, Lon Friend, uh, Tony Higby from Damon Johnson and uh, Tom Kiefer's band. Uh, who else? Tammy Down, who hasn't done a lot of interviews lately. We we got one. It'll be on the very next episode. Uh, Steve Sex Summers, 
although he doesn't like the sex anymore. He just wants to be known as Steve Summers. I, I start the interview off. I'm like, we are here on Talking Metal with Steve Sex Summers. And he's like, what? Uh, it's not 1989 anymore. I don't <laughs> did you know. He make you're you still start using it? this sex thing. He's like, no, no. It's, it's, I thought it was pretty funny. But yeah. Anyways, we'll get to that interview in the very next episode. On this show, we have two interviews, Lizzie Borden and Mark from Bullet Boys. We're going to get right into those. But first, let's thank the supporters. You guys are so awesome. You're buying the t-shirts, which are for sale. Send me 20 bucks if you live in the United States. I'll send you a Talking Metal t-shirt. The PayPal is my email, striegelmark, S-T-R-I-G-L-M-A-R-K, at gmail.com. If you want a Talking Metal t-shirt, send me 20 bucks via PayPal to that address. And I will send you a t-shirt. Just let me know your size. You can go to the show notes on TalkingMetal.com. And my PayPal is also listed there. Um, The Amazon links, you guys are doing great. You're using the Amazon links. Keep using them. I appreciate that. And Patreon is exploding. Emily, who are our wonderful, awesome Patreon supporters? The best. Here we go. J.B. Allen, Anthony Mackey, Jay Vaninsky. Hey, Jay. James Bennett, Rick Bunch, David Gray, Fred Rutt, Steve Hoker in the house, Mike Jones, BJ Kukowski, Sean Morgan, Dan Metal Dan, Sean Morgan. Oh, <laughs> you've got Oh, did Sean I write Morgan it twice? Written twice. Oh. Jonathan Turner, Ron Embody, Michael Street, Ralph Petrie, and John Boveri. We love you guys. Thank I'm so, you so much. I'm so glad that you noticed that I wrote it twice because I noticed there were 17 current Patreon people. Yeah. And then I wrote down, and I thought I had 18. I was like, oh, one of them must have quit. But yeah. but that's good news. I'm a regular detective. Yeah. And Michael Street, by the way. You know Michael. We had we had dinner with him in Nashville. Oh, yeah. yeah. What's up, dude? It was Michael was Street, so John Astronomy, Emily, myself, and Michael Butler. Do you remember that? Yes, of course yeah, I do. After the Rock and Pod Expo. So, that was Michael, a blast. great guy. Thank you for supporting us here on Talking Metal. All right, enough of that, enough business. Uh, Now let's get to the interviews and the music. We open the show up with a crazy classic song called Me Against the World. Lizzie Borden, man, I loved this guy growing up. And uh, I tell you what, let's, uh, let's get into some more Lizzie Borden right now. This is from 2000, There Will Be Blood Tonight by Lizzie Borden, followed by my interview with Lizzie Borden, here on Talking Metal. We're 
are here in New York City, Midtown Manhattan, and we are speaking with the one and only Lizzie Borden. Welcome back to Talking Metal after I think 11 years was the last time you were on. I, uh, the 11 years seems to be like the number. <laughs> right, 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 right. 11 years since the last record, 11 years since I've talked to you. Yeah, well, that makes sense because I think you're probably promoting, yeah, well, uh, promoting appointment, appointment with, death. Appointment with yeah. death. And we are now excited to talk about the brand new record, My Midnight Things, out June 5th. 15th. 15th, okay. Good. Thanks for correcting that. You know, it's out through the label that I think has been associated with you throughout your career. From the beginning. Yeah, I want to talk about the new record specifically, but let's start with Metal Blade. Okay. I mean, again, every record on Metal Blade? Everyone. Everyone. Yeah. Wow. I mean, a lot of them got, have gone out, like the um, the first few went through Capital for distribution, and then they switched over to Warner Brothers, so they put it out. And then it went to uh, a few other places and then uh, wound up at Sony now. Okay, okay. And let's go back to the beginning with your relationship with Metal Blade and, and Brian Slagle. How did, how did Brian and you first come in contact? We were rehearsing at a studio um, called Harlequin. Actually, Black Sabbath was there working on their Mob Rules, or their Mob um, Live Evil album. Live Evil, okay. And uh, someone someone came into our rehearsal space because they had a whole bunch of rehearsal space and they really loved what we were doing in there and they came in and said, hey, you know, uh, there's a there's some guy who puts out records and uh, you might want to go talk to him. Yeah. And they told me he was working at a record store. Yeah. So I went, okay. I We had a little demo and I brought it I brought it in, me and Joey, the drummer. Right. And uh, I went in there and I went up to the guy at the, at the, at the, the, the cashier and said, hey, and I told him the story. And he goes, yeah, it's me, Brian. You know, right. I, I, I have my own label. And I went, oh, cool. Well, here's a demo tape. And l- let me know what you think. Yeah. And so he goes, okay. And then we went to, to go looking through records and stuff. And then all of a sudden he starts playing it. Yeah. And we're like, holy shit, he's playing. And there was, you know, 30, 30 or 40 people in the record store. Yeah. And there was like two or three songs on the album, I think. And uh, all of a sudden he comes running out and he goes, oh, my God, I love this. He goes, one of these songs will be on the next Metal Massacre. Wow. And I was like, okay. Yeah. You know, once we did that, the reaction was so, so big that he got, he offered us a deal. That's amazing. And did, okay, so which song ended up on Metal Mask? It was, was a it? song called Rod of Iron. Rod of Iron. And were, did you re-record it or did he use the, the demo Well, that version? was the, the one caveat with Metal Blade. They had no money. Right. So. <laughs> I mean, you guys were just kids, yeah, both of you. Yeah. Literally, yeah. And, but we had a relationship with that studio because we knew, you know, we rehearsed there with other bands that we put together. Right. So we had gone, I think we had three bands and Lizzie Borden was like the third. And uh, so he says, Okay, go go record. And he's like, I'm like, I gotta pay for it. And he goes, Yeah. So I actually had to go pay for it. You know. Right. So, but we had already recorded demo, a, a, a kind of a rough demo. So we already, it was very easy. We walked in and just did it. And even though we had no, no studio skills, uh, there was a good engineer there, and he, you know, he walked us through it, and, and we got it done. But yeah, I had to pay for it. <laughs> nice. And here we are in 2018, like what I don't know, 30 some years later, right? And the new record out on Metal Blade, Midnight Things. What, I mean, it, like it's eleven year gap since the last record, and I know you've been out, you've been touring and staying busy with the band, right? But no, no new music this past eleven years, which is you know not not uncommon for a lot of bands. Why did you decide it was time 
in 2018 to put out new music? Well, the main thing is I miss being a recording artist. I right. love the whole touring, you know, al- writing cycle, albums, recording, putting the album out, doing the press, and then, uh, and then launching the tour. And then when the tour is over, you go back and start at the beginning. Yeah. To me, that was a, the perfect way to do things. And when you take out that element, it was just the touring. And for us, it was unique because we were mostly playing in Europe and South America and uh, in the Asian markets in front of a young crowd. Right. So a lot of these young kids were seeing us for the very first time. So for, for them... It was 1985. Right, right. And for me, it was 1985 because they are reacting the same way as the kids did back then. Wow, that's great. So I was like going, okay, well, uh, we're not missing a beat live. And the shows were well put together shows. You know, we did the Appointment with Death show for a few years. Mm-hmm. And then we did the 30th anniversary show, which was more of a, a collection. And it was done really well. And, and it was, uh, I mean, we had everywhere we played, we got great reviews. So it's not like we were just touring aimlessly we actually did launch tours right but with no we weren't supporting a new album and that was the thing that was killing me you know yeah and i didn't i put out deal with the devil and appointment with death and it was right when the music industry collapsed so the the albums were just kind of tossed out there right and when you toss albums out there after you've been working on them for so long with no fanfare no marketing no nothing uh it wasn't reaching the crowd, you know, the people that we wrote it for. And if it's not, if it's, you know, what's the point, you know? Yeah. That was, that was what I was thinking. Like, why would I, why go in there and bust my ass writing these songs and producing these songs and, you know, doing no everything hear, I yeah. have to do to just make a record that no one, the people that actually might like it will never even know it exists. Yeah. So that was, you know, but Brian talked me into saying, you know, the Metal Blade has found their way now. And yeah, now, I've heard him saying that in yeah, the press. They're actually. so successful. And, yeah. They're more successful than they ever were right really? now. Really? Yeah. Wow. Almost probably at least half their roster goes top five on Billboard. Wow. Or at least top ten. Yeah. And that's crazy for an independent label. Yeah. You know? So uh, they found their way. And, and so, you know, he came back and... He talked me into making a record again, so here we are. Awesome. And, and you know, again, the new record, guys, it's Midnight, My Midnight Things by Lizzie Borden, out June 15th on Metal Blade. I can't, cannot wait. I mean, I loved your stuff as, as, a, as a kid, and I want to get into that. But just as, as an artist, you know, even what you said is very cool, and I understand that, that financially Metal Blade is probably doing better than they used to. However, there's, there's, there's not a ton of money in releasing new music today. So uh, as an artist, is this just something that you, 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 know, you need to do too? I mean, is there a, an artistic need inside of you to put out this music? Well, I mean, even in the 80s, there wasn't a ton of money. Right. Because they spent so much money marketing right. that you had... It's like a, it's like a bad bank loan, you know, right. for a, for a band. They have you have to pay that money back, sure. And that money gets paid back first. So, you know, even bands that sold two million records, uh, they might end up with nothing in the end. Yeah. You know, so uh, it's the same premise except for you might make money this time because uh, that bad bank loan is not so bad anymore. Okay. It's better better record deals, and you were able to record them a lot cheaper now too. You don't have to spend a ton of money. And I just recorded a video over the weekend with some top-notch, you know, directors. Cool. And, uh, you know, those a video like what we did in the last two days would have cost half a million dollars in yeah. the 80s. 
it's a fraction of that right now so cool. you know things have changed with technology to make it feasible to do it and if you do it right uh then you can make money awesome and what 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 song did you shoot the video for a song called long may they haunt us awesome cool it's probably the most meaningful song on the album because it's about you know, I lost two guitar players in my band yeah. who passed away, and uh, Alex and Alex and Corey and Corey, and well. you know, you th- and not just them, but a lot of other people. Those people, you know, they haunt you because you think about them all the time. Right. But you don't ever want that haunt to go away. You yeah. always want that memory to stay in your mind, and that's kind of what our, the way I wrote that song. Wow, cool, cool. Well, I can't wait to hear it, and that'll probably, what is that going to drop around the time the record drops? Uh, I think it'll be done in about a week and a half. Oh, So awesome. it'll be out soon. Awesome, cool. When when you look back, I mean, I was looking back at the, the records you put out, like, let's say between like 1984 and 87 in that like short three-year period. Yeah. I mean, it's it's mind-blowing. You know, the Love You to Pieces, which of course had one of my favorite tunes, American Metal, just that anthemic song and uh, love you to pieces then uh, like less than a year later there was ultra violence the the murderous metal roadshow which i had the, the the i remember the the vinyl i had opened up with all the pictures inside yeah. i still have it at home. it's <laughs> awesome and i mean and then shortly after menace to society visual lies i mean it was just a bang 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 yeah. bang i mean the it's it's when you look at bands today even the younger bands i mean no one puts out music like that anymore um why why has the industry do you think not just for for you know older bands but younger bands why 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 don't we put out music like they used to in the 80s is it still the financial thing or is it like you know i don't know i mean i grew up on those bands like you know, aerosmith and kiss and you yeah, know who, yeah. you know aerosmith they put out four albums in like 3 years their first four albums it was right. just insane right you know that that amount and and kiss was putting out two albums a year plus touring right and it's it's uh, it's crazy because you know that that's what I was thinking in my head. So it's like, once we did one record, we do a tour, and mostly at that time it was just North American tours. Right. So you just do a lap around the states, and they come back, go right back into writing, Man. and then you do the same thing over and over and over again. And I loved it, and the creative. You know, juices were flowing. I, I, after I finished one record, I'm already thinking about how to do the next. Right. You know, much in the same way as Stephen King writes novels. You know, he's, you know, before he's finished with the, the one he's working on, he's already mapped out the next one. Yeah. And that's kind of a work ethic, you know, and I don't think that's there now. But, you know, I don't know. I mean, everyone has their own way of doing things, you know, and right if, if, but I've already started writing the next record. Really? Oh, <laughs> yeah. wow. Wow. Cool. Yeah. Well, I do want to circle back to the the new record, which, again, is My Midnight Things. But a couple a couple other questions before we do that. The band Starwood uh, that you had for a while, right? How, yeah, how it, was, uh, it was a couple of years. It was real. It was fun. How do you? Yeah, was, that's my question. How do you look back on that? It now? was just fun. Yeah, you know, it was pure fun. Um, uh, it got me to be able to write songs that uh, were not Lizzie Borden, and I wrote them in a rock, more rock and roll way. Right. Yep. And it was more of my uh, the, the glitter rock influences that I had, yeah. and I wanted to get that out. And and uh, so that was my that was the main premise behind that. It yeah. was just about fun. Right on, right on. And when you guys look, when you specifically look back on on what happened in Hollywood on that the, the Sunset Strip, you know, between like. 1980 and the end of the 80s. I mean, you were you were there. You were really one of the first bands out there doing it, kind of 
igniting the scene. I mean, is it true you were one of the first bands to flyer Sunset Strip? Is that? Oh yeah, yeah. We, we were the first band to do many things. Those, you know, the banners that go in front of uh, all the amps. Yeah, I was the first one to come up with that oh. because I was just copying Kiss. Because right. you know, I had seen Destroyer, and you couldn't see any of the amps because they had their stage production in front of it. Right. And I was like, why am I marketing Marshall? Yeah. You know, and at that time, all the guitar players were ruling the band, their own bands, but I started the band and I'm a singer. So to me, it was about uh, marketing Lizzie Borden. Right. So I so said, let's put the logo in front of those amps. And, you know, the, the guitar players hated it and no other bands were doing it. All the other bands were had, you know, fake, fake empty cabinets, you know, like Eddie Van Halen, just a ton of cabinets. And that was what their presentation was. But for me, I just said, I don't want to market Marshall. I want to market Lizzie Borden. So I we made two giant banners and put them in front of the amps. They were huge, right. way bi- way bigger than most people use now. But we were the first to do that, wow. and uh, that's caught on now. Every band does it, yeah, and they have been for since then. So, uh, but yeah, at the beginning, I just found pictures of us at the Troubadour uh, uh, using flash pots and everything. But you see the crowd; it was a supper club. So yeah. everyone sat down at these long tables, tables yeah. and they would sit and watch this show. And even though we'd blow fire in their faces, it was just, you know, they were looking going, what is this? You know, yeah, yeah. back then it was, there was no uh, system in place because it was coming out of the, uh, the seventies and at the Troubadour especially it was folk music, yeah. you know, it's all nothing but folk music. And they turned it into a heavy metal club in like a couple of months. Right. And all those bands, you know, the you know, Wasp started like two months before us. And, uh, and, and a lot of the other bands, we, we all started, uh, you know, within a year of each other. Right. And uh, we inspired each other to, to, to keep going because everyone was part of the same scene. Yeah. Yeah. And leather jackets and all that, you know, all that stuff happened all at the same time, you know. Was there a point, I mean, you, it was, you know, there was, in the beginning, it was, you guys were there, you mentioned Wasp, I'm guessing like, you know, Armored Sane and Motley Crue. Yeah. But was there a point where where it got to a point where you were just like, okay, this this scene is over, it's tapped out, All people were, busloads of people were coming in, starting bands. I mean, when, 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 when did the scene kind of... The, the magic that was going on there die for you? Well, for me, it was, uh, it was, I always equate it with the gold rush, you know? Right, yeah, yeah. yeah it's a, a good, they're, they're all coming out yeah. to get the gold, you right. know? And in this case, it was all coming out to be part of the scene and, and become, and join a band and become a rock star, you know? But I lived there, so I yeah. was there before it all started and it was a ghost town before they came. And then when they came, it was a lot of energy. Right. But we grew so big you know, we were a big fish in a big pond. Yeah. So I didn't want to be a local band. I wanted to be a national, international act. So the first thing that I did was after we put out the first record, is I borrowed my dad's motorhome and we went on tour. We booked shows on our own. Yeah. And, and we got out of there. Yeah. We played every. We that's how we played Lemoore's here, right. and we played uh, you know Detroit and we played you know all the all these great markets that uh, if we had just stayed you know. In, 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 as a local band, yeah. that's what we would have, we would have died that way, you yeah. know. So I, I got us out of there real quick, and you know, once you leave, everybody, someone else takes your place, right? You know, and I was happy to 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 not be the local band anymore. I wanted sure. to be an international act, and that's what we became. So you know, uh, the scene eventually petered out. Probably uh, for me, uh, we were touring, and it was still fun until like '92. Mm-hmm. 
And then after that, I started to go, okay, well, everyone's into all these other bands and they sound nothing. They're not that they're not fun. It's more, more like uh, a different, a whole different genre. Right. And there's, there's merit to that genre, of course. But uh, the way I looked at it, it, the entertainment aspect was gone uh, as far as, you know, putting on a being a performer Theatrical show you yeah, know yeah. most people they, they turned into musicians were were the performers now and even because right. the, they weren't really performing they were just playing their instruments right so uh you know that's when i that's when i knew okay well this is done in at least in north america for, right for a while anyway i knew it was going to come back around and it's it's it, it took a long time but it's it's starting to now right which, you know right on Cool. Well, just to round things out, let's circle back to the the new record, My Midnight Things, out June 15th on Metal Blade by Lizzie Borden. We are talking to the one and only Lizzie Borden. Who do you work with on the record? Do you have a producer with you? Um, or did you I produced it you well, did? Okay. along with Joey Scott. Uh, on, you know, he plays drums and he cool. co- co-produced with me. Yeah, I couldn't. I didn't. Uh, I didn't think I could find a producer that wanted. You know, I wanted to do this album uh, in a unique way. And I didn't. I didn't think. You know, all the new producers not influenced by the 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 influences that I have. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to sound like I was keeping up with the Joneses. Right. Right. And so I I just I wanted to be more isolated. So I recorded everything by myself, in a in a loft area in in the industrial section, mostly around three in the morning. Wow. So you okay. can hear that in my voice. Yeah. You know that that complete absolutely silent alone guy singing yeah. in this uh, studio oh, you know awesome. by himself yeah. so I wanted that to come out in my voice and so that I did it on purpose you know yeah. so I didn't think I could do that in a regular studio setting with the producer going yeah you know right. so I, I'm not I'm not saying I won't use a producer in the future but uh, for this album I, I kind of knew what I wanted nice and uh, musicianship wise who else is rounding out the, the album uh, well, on the album with you Joey's on drums Dr- Joey, and then right. I used uh, uh, um, a friend of ours called Marlise Mullenberger and she's a pianist and she's absolutely oh, wow. amazing cool. and cool. Uh, she's very dark and melancholy even if it's an wow, up-tempo that, song yeah, yeah nice so I was like yeah, you know man. and I, I sent her one song I only intended her to play on one song and I sent it to her and she loved it so much that she said, send me more. So every time I finished a song, I'd send it to her. And, and she put her little bits and pieces on there. And it was just uh, magic. Cool. It actually worked so, so well together. Awesome. So, yeah. And then the rest of it, I did myself. So it was... Uh, guitars? Yeah. 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 So you're, you're handling all the guitars? Yeah, on, on this oh, album. Yeah. Cool. I've done it on other albums, too. But right. I, sometimes I, I don't take credit for it. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Cool. And bass, you're, you're handling all the yeah. bass, too? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, cool. I've, done, I've done that before, too. So. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Cool. Well, My Midnight Things, again, coming out on Metal Blade in June. And will there be touring, Lizzie? Are you going to plan a tour I to support am, the record? I'm working on the show right now. Yep. And uh, it... it, it, it the the biggest show we've ever done is the visualized tour and this already looks like it's going to be bigger the production wise yeah and so i'm kind of uh, writing the script for it right now and once i get that close uh then i'll find the musicians that uh, they'll go out on tour with me okay because i need to kind of custom fit them into the show right and uh but i i wanted to wait till the album came out because we haven't had an album in 11 years so i didn't want to start playing songs that no one's ever heard it mm-hmm. just doesn't make sense. So 
like letting the album come out, letting it breathe a little bit. Everyone uh, gets to listen to it, yeah. and then gets used to the song. So when it, when I come out for, with the tour and play these songs, sure, they'll be you know everyone will know them. You know, so that's uh, that's why I decided not to just go out with a bang. You know, as soon as the album comes out, start touring. Right. So you know. That's, and and that's do you imagine you'd be doing like a headlining tour or maybe a package tour? Um, I'm hoping a package far? tour. Yeah, that, yeah. Uh, even though I'm looking for a big big stage production, right. I, I'm still looking for that great package. Always been looking for that great package. Yeah, so. I mean, I you know, I just saw like uh, Saxon and Judas yeah. Priest. And that, that for, for the old time fan, I, I love that. You yeah, know, I'd I love to too. see you guys with Priest. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I, like, yeah. as opposed to, and nothing against these bands, but like a, a Trivium or something. You know, I, I'd much rather see uh, two bands that kind of come from the same place and time yeah. together so yeah I, I would too i mean i'm uh, i saw that same tour in vegas and yeah. it was awesome yeah yeah so yeah i mean i, I hope that we can find a package if not we'll you know we'll we'll, we'll see what happens Very it's, good. uh but you know the main thing is to put the show together and then and then uh, get the album out and see what the response is you know so far it's been the best i'm, I'm talking to uh, i'm doing interviews all around the world yeah I've never heard a response like this to any lizzie borden record ever wow. it's always cool. been you know this or that but they love the you know they most of them have the whole album so they're right. like I love every song of this album and the like, single is out right yeah the, 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 the lyric video for the title track's out and right. then I just recorded the actual first video over the weekend or awesome. yeah so yeah, we what you mentioned. Yeah. just finished it this morning so cool uh, so yeah we're starting this uh, the we put the train back on the track so we're, we're, we're uh, I'm hoping to get my midnight things out to everybody yeah well let's do it you mentioned the title track and again this is up on iTunes and Spotify and, yeah, and all everywhere. the normal yeah. places, yeah. Amazon. Right now, you can go download it or stream it. And it is exactly what you'd want from Lizzie Borden. It is called My Midnight Things off the new album of the same title, which is coming out on Metal Blade. Lizzie, thanks so much. Thank you. And you can pre-order it right now. You get the vinyl, the colored vinyl, and the T-shirt, and right, you know, yeah. all the yeah, stuff. So that, yeah. there's different packages. So uh, you know, it's pretty cool. We've never had that before. You know, so this is the very first time for us, even though, you know, other bands have had it up until this point, but we haven't had an album in 11 years. So <laughs> right on. And we will have links up where you can buy all, all the, the different packages in today's show notes on talkingmetal.com and talkingrock.net. And as far as your online presence goes, where's the best place or places people um, can check you out online? Instagram, Real Lizzie Borden and Facebook, uh, Real Lizzie Borden and uh, Lizzie Borden Band. Cool. And then uh, lizzieborden.com. Excellent. And we'll have all those linked to also through today's show notes on talkingmetal.com. Thank you, Lizzie. Thank you so much, man.
Some brand new Lizzie Borden music, guys. Go buy that on iTunes. Check out the new album. It's coming out on Metal Blade. Some some great stuff in that interview. And a big thanks to Chip for lining it up. Uh, I did it in a hotel in New York City. If you want to see a picture of me and Lizzie Borden hanging out in the hotel room, go to these show notes on TalkingRock.net or TalkingMetal.com. Cool. And also wanted to mention that I think during the interview... I said that the last time Lizzie was on Talking Metal was 2007. That's actually wrong. The last time Lizzie Borden was on Talking Metal was episode 72 from 2006. This is, of course, episode 748. So it's been far too long, and I'm so glad we got him back here on Talking Metal. Emily does the next interview, guys. Who are we going to hear from, Emily? Mark Torian from Bullet Boys. And this is the second time I've had the honor of of uh, interviewing him, and I've had the I've I've been able to hang out with him a few times now too, which you'll hear about in the interview. Cool, and we will hit some some old Bullet Boys right now, and then after the interview, we'll hear some new Bullet Boys. Here we go. This is Crosstop off a of Zaza from 1993. Ted Templeman produced this. The great guy who worked with Van Halen. And has a book coming out, I think, co-written by Greg Renoff. So look forward to reading that. But anyways, this is, again, Bullet Boys going way back to 1993, followed by Emily's interview with Mark from Bullet Boys. This is Crosstop.
Hello, Talking Metal listeners. Emily Striegel here today with you. And on the phone, I've got Mark Torian from the Bullet Boys. How are you, Mark? Good, Emily. How you doing, darling? Awesome. Last time I saw you was in Brooklyn, New York. Yes. At a Faster Pussycat yes. show. Do you remember this? Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, so you were out. I you were touring. Do. You were touring, right? And you had like a night off. And yes. so you yes. zipped over. I don't know where you were coming down from, like Connecticut or something. And you came down for the night to see. Something like that. Yeah. Yep. And yeah, we, we came in from, uh, we were just out of the city. Yeah. So we ended up, uh, our listeners will get a kick out of this. I think we watched some of the set and then you were like, I'm hungry. Let's go find some pizza. Yeah. Just, <laughs> totally. Don't, don't tell Ace, but you, me, and Jerry, uh, and Cruiser was with us. I think we just took yes. off on foot, like, looking for pizza. Yes, we did. Like, like in Bushwick. <laughs> in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Yeah. Just, like, on foot. And someone was like, oh, we were like, where's some pizza? And they, like... They put us, uh, they were pointing us like in, you know, this direction and that direction. We ended up like, yeah, they walking were. about a mile. And then we ended up back at the club, like at a deli. And you yes. just got ended up getting a sandwich, right? <laughs> yeah. we. Yep. I ended up getting a sandwich because people were telling us to go to this great pizza place that we couldn't find. And we were totally bummed. It was so fun. <laughs> it was hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got a super huge treat. I got to hear... A little sneak peek of the new album, which came out recently from yeah. Out of the Skies. Yeah, it was what me, you, Christian, and Jerry. We sat in the sat we, in the van. Uh, yeah, and we, uh, I was able to play some some. Yeah, you were like the very one of the very first people to actually really hear it. It was so cool. And there's nothing better than listening to an album in a car. Like there's just something like oh, you're totally. cranking cranking it up, and yeah, that, that was so yes. fun. And it's amazing. I told you then, and I'll tell you again now. It's such a great album. Are you guys having a good time? You've been touring and supporting it a little bit. You were over... Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we were out in... uh, Well, we had 14 days in the UK, so uh, we just got back from our UK run. Um, It will be our first of many. We had such a brilliant time. We had uh, Enough's Enough opening up for us and another um, amazing band um, called Butterside. Uh, those guys were just amazing and really, really good people. Uh, shout out to the guys from Butterside, definitely. Uh, but yeah, no, we, we just got back and now we, uh, on the first, we're leaving to Australia. So we have four dates here in Australia and we're so excited because it's our first time ever oh my gosh. into Australia. So, so we're just cool. like completely stoked. So oh, it's going to be so rad. That's we can't wait amazing. to see all of yeah, and then after that, we're uh, we're off on our spring tour for almost a month. So we'll be out on, in the spring um, with a band called Twenty Spot from the Chicago, Illinois area, and that's going to be opening up for us. Shout out to them; they're awesome guys. And uh, just working the new record, uh, we've been receiving amazing, amazing accolades on this uh, new body of work of ours. Uh, fives out of fives, tens out of tens. It's just been really um, humbling. And um, really, uh, how would you say, um, uh, completely um, exciting because of the fact that uh, we're receiving these and the bands were just ecstatic. You know, we took risks, big risks on this record. Um, it's a diver- diverse record. It's, we, I painted with very broad strokes when I wrote the record. So um, for everybody to be just completely, uh, you know, infatuated with the record um, and, and, I, and I don't use that word as, 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 as I use that in all humility um, 
because of the fact that we never expected this type of reaction to what we're getting right now. So yeah. we're completely, just completely blown away. It's so great. It's so great. I mean, Hi-Fi Drive-By, one of my favorites. So that's got like a total, like almost like jellyfish yellow influence. Like there are a couple songs on here. I'm hearing the Beatles, you know. Um, sure. Uh, P-R-A-B, that groove is awesome. It's total disco metal. And man, you got thank you, you got the moves like Jagger, Mark, and you, I can't wait to see you. Oh, thank you, Emily. Dancing to that. Yeah, one. that's what I do. <laughs> I perform. You know, uh, we really try to bring a '70s type of vibe to this this record. You know, uh, I was listening to a lot of eclectic music and a lot of eclectic musicians. Not to get long winded about it, but uh, you know, like Hi-Fi Drive-By, we really try to uh, bring the feeling of like an Earth, Wind, and Fire uh, type of thing. There's a lot of um, R&B and funk and yeah. uh, a soul on this record uh, mixed in with punk rock, metal, and hard rock. So it's basically, uh, uh, how would you say it, uh, a combination of us throwing a bunch of, of our musical taste into Blender and, you know, coming out with it. The, the writing was just really, uh, also, too, I really wanted to be have a lot of sincerity in the writing. I, didn't, I don't, Emily, I never wanted the Bullet Boys to be known as a sex joint, you know, cock rock band for forever. So, you know, I think with the last two records, we really stepped out and uh, have done other things that um, that people that people want. You know, we've expanded our our fan base. Our fan base has become um, uh, eclectic and uh, very youthful with 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 our with our old fans, who I love very much. But even our old fans have just been really excited about the reinvention of the band and where we've been going and. Uh, from out of the skies is just like their summer record. People have been telling us this is the record of the year for them. It's they've waited so long for a band to come out and, you know, a record that's basically for everybody, yes. you know, um, this record has a lot of, uh, imagery from the city where I grew up with, uh, I grew up in, which is Los Angeles. And I wanted to evoke, uh, lyrically, uh, painting pictures of, and, and uh, words that would, uh, we kind of focus on the city. Also, too, this record is dedicated to underdogs that never win. And that premise is throughout the whole record. So I think people have really been feeling it like uh, because of what we're going through in this crazy world of ours as of late. And uh, there's a lot of uplifting music, but there's a lot of introspective um, things that are have the lyrical content or something that I was able to uh, switch gears and uh, to be really honest with uh, my poetic approach, which which was very very difficult and very hard to be really honest and to uh, express yourself in, in that way on some of these songs, which I did. It's very very cool, and it is a big risk because you know you still have your fans yeah. listening to "Smooth Up in You" on on Sirius, and sure, you know, and the fact that you they're embracing the album with open arms and you were brave enough to move forward and do what you felt in your heart without worry about alienating some of those fans. Like, was that ever a concern of yours? Yes. Are we going to alienate that group of fans that's still listening to old school bullet boys and they don't want to see this evolution? No, because, um, you know, I, it, I don't think, I don't think fans should, uh, and I love my fans with all my heart and uh, kudos to, and, and to everybody that has been around and supporting us. Uh, we have nothing but love for them um, for real. Um, but we have to be able to grow as musicians and grow as artists. And it's been amazing that we've been, we're one of the few bands where 
our fans have let us do that, where there hasn't been this this uh, emotional kickback of you know people being upset about the sound and everything else, but because of the fact that we have been reinventing for for the past three records. So it's not like all of a sudden, all of a sudden there's just this thing, you know, everybody knows that Elefante, we did, you know, so well with that. Uh, uh, we charted in the CMJ National Rock Radio charts with our record, last last record, Elefante. So this record, um, you know, people are gravitating to it. So it's like, you know, it's like, I don't know, I can't explain it, but it's, we're on a, um, we're not on a fast ascend. We're, we're on a, on a slow working ascend. And I, I actually am very happy about that because the record will be around for a long time. It's just not, uh, you know, a candy bar where you munch it down and okay, I've heard it. That's it. You know, exactly. It's a lot <laughs> to process and to digest because it yeah. is so diverse. So, it, yep. you know, that's really cool. I love that. And I love that. So you guys recorded this at Dave Grohl's studio. Yeah. 606 recording studios. Um, yes, we're very, uh, I've been saying this in all articles. I just love David Grohl with all my heart. He gave us the opportunity to come into their studio uh, to do this body of work. And, uh, you know, he thought that we should be there. We took risks on this record, and he, he loved the music. Cool. So and you got, you got um, to play his guitar, the, right? When, on some of the, oh, yeah. Some of yes. the tracks? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Uh, he left the acoustic guitar for us, and uh, they set up uh, this amazing drum set for us to record on that, that, that they record on. So, um, you know, the, the, the acoustic guitar actually that I used that he recorded a lot of songs of the Foo Fighters on that guitar. So it was very, very magical and, and very, very loving. And I thank him with all my heart. And I hope that he gets a chance to, um, to hear one of these interviews one of these days and go, man, that son of a gun. Oh, that guy's, you know, because I, he, you know, for, for somebody to come in like him and to be a champion of our band is completely magical and completely, um, you know, something that we've been putting out into the universe and that came back. Um, it's just been amazing. And then, you know, my best, my best, one of my best bros, uh, Jesse Hughes from the Eagles of Death Metal came in and sang on our first single, The Evil, which was completely out of control because I loved the Eagles of Death Metal for so long and one of my favorite bands. And, um, uh, to be able to hook up with him and to find, uh, solidarity in music and friendship and, and, uh, you know, being uh, him bringing me into his band and this new tribe and people it's just been it's just been amazing and i've I've learned a lot i've learned a lot from uh, a lot of the new people that and amazing musicians and people that have been around me that's great so uh kudos to him and and the whole band for being so loving and uh supportive of my band um i don't get a lot of people that are in support of buying from my genre um so people that have come in from other genres to be so supportive. It's just, it's melted my heart. It's just, it's just made me, um, uh, it's so, uh, you, you get, you get filled with so much love and humility when people are coming from other things. And, um, you know, like these other huge artists have contacted me and, and, and I mean, I want to go into name dropping and stuff, but I'm just like, are you kidding me? I just got a call from so-and-so today. (laughs) So (laughs) What? It's How so did he cool. get my number? How did she get my number? So, yes. Like, but, you know, there's musicians out, out there um, that are in a, another upper scale that have contacted me and have been so loving and so kind about what we try to do with this record. Um, and that's, that's a big thing for us, all four of us, because uh, myself, 
Chad and, and Nick, you know, we've been reinventing the band for almost nine years and we're finally getting the taste of the fruit of our rewards with the music that we've been releasing and people going, okay, I get it. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I get it. You're not, <laughs> you're not, excuse me, we're not trying to write, you know, we'll never write smooth up again. That, that, that was a one-time thing that, that smoothed up. So you got to hedge forward and, and write some other things that will be your new classics. So yeah. um, we're told that we have a lot of new classics on this record and, and um, Elefante. So we're really excited too, because like when we play gigs, Emily, you know, people are shouting new songs at us constantly. That's great. You know, it's just like they're, they're, they don't shout the old songs. You know, that's like they, we do, of course, our hits and stuff and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, everybody's shouting things from Tencent Billionaire, the, the, the new songs. I mean, we're, we opened up with From Out of the Skies in Wales when we played at um, uh, Hard Rock Howl Festival. People have never, never heard the song, and they went nuts and started moshing and going crazy. So it's like, we're doing something cool here. Something's going on. So, so cool. The, you know, the four of us, we look at each other and go, you know what? You know, it, there, might be, there might be some people out there that uh, uh, don't really give us the time of day but i think we're giving ourselves the time of day and i just love all our fans family and friends that have been so supportive emily and it's especially you you've been so supportive throughout all these years and Aww. uh such a loving soul and so <laughs> badass about the new record and you know that means a lot to us man because this this business is not easy <laughs> i know it's you know and it's just know. getting worse all the time i mean i think we had that discussion yeah. like how, yeah. how are things going to evolve in a way where you guys can keep on doing this for us and make a living. Like, it's really, really mm -hmm. a major issue. And, um, yeah, we, we've talked about that. I don't know what the answer is, but I'm just grateful that you continue to forge forward because... Um, Thank you. It's just... It's and we're grateful be, that... Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I gotta say it, but we're grateful that people come are coming to see us. I mean, it, it's just like, it, you have no idea, like... The, the the love that we have when people yeah. I mean people are filling rooms you know we're playing a lot of sold out shows um, so that really speaks volumes that people are coming out and and taking the time and getting in their cars and you know paying the money or whatever to come out and see us and any rock bands that have that going on they they should just feel blessed every morning that they wake up yes. because there's a lot of much huger bands of course and uh, than us and you know there's so much talent out there and uh, you know we're we're just, you know, we're just forging ahead and just trying to do the best that we can with what we have. Yeah, absolutely. I want to talk a little bit about um, go way back. Because I was talking to Mark, and Mark was like, did you know that he worked? Ask him about, did he work with Ozzy? I know you played with Rat for a while, right? Back in the yes. day. Yes. And did you also yes, have sir. some involvement with Ozzy? Tell us about, let's take us all the way yeah. back to those days for a minute. Well, absolutely. I was... Uh, going to be the guitar player for Ozzy. I was picked uh, as a guitar player by Ozzy and Sharon. And uh, I rehearsed with the band for a couple months. And uh, right when we were getting ready to go and start touring um, in Europe, um, I basically, they just basically decided that uh, for me to keep the, my guitars that he got me and everything else, and uh, that they were going to be working with a guy by the name of Bernie Torme to do that tour because Ozzy thought that I was just too young still, and they were just get, still getting over Randy, and there was a lot of similarities that I had to him, about, you know, kind of like Randy, I guess, and uh, from what he explained to me and Sharon explained to me. And that's just basically what happened. I 
was the guy and then uh they got somebody else and you know i ended up just you know doing a lot of work and um not getting not not gigging (laughs) but i mean what an amazing what an amazing thing to be handpicked by them i mean just to be in that family of players that had that experience even and i mean it's so funny i've said this to you before it's like so many people don't realize what a great guitarist you are because you've got pipes oh thank you You've got like amazing yeah. pipes and you can sing your ass off, but you can also play your ass off. And that's kind of where you started. Oh, and, thank you. Even with Yeah, even no, with absolutely. Rat, you know? Yeah. Yes, no, absolutely with Rat too. I was like, uh, and that happened right after the Aussie gig thing didn't happen. And I just want to say, you know, I love Aussie and Sharon so much and they were so loving and so kind to me. And Aussie was such a sweetheart to me. Uh, they just love him with my heart and uh, for giving a young kid that experience you know, that experience and stuff and was just uh, amazing. And then after that, um, I was really close and still pretty close with Stephen Piercy and, and, uh, was very close with Robin Crosby, very close friends. Oh, so after so that, that was a huge loss. happened. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. I miss him all the time. Yeah. I just, I loved him so much. He's such an amazing dude. Um, but they gave me the opportunity and they brought me into rat. So listen, you know, F Aussie, Come and be a rat, Stephen said. We'll, we'll get, you know, come in the band. We want you to play with us. So I ended up working with them for, for a while, and uh, we were able to write, uh, I wrote one of their first uh, hit songs, which is You Think You're Tough, uh, with, with Robin. So that was my, uh, how would you say, my... Your contribution. Uh, you know, my contribution. Thank you so much. <laughs> yes, for the rat legacy. But no, I love rat, dude. I mean, yeah. and here's another thing, you know, when... I, Steven had to, you know, just basically let me go out of the band. He wanted me to form my own band. He says, you know, you, you got a great voice and you're doing all this stuff. And I just need somebody to come up there and, and just play and just be the, the, the guy in the back. Yeah. So they ended up getting worn. And, and, you know, dude, I had to see them be gigantic. Like it was so jacked up. I know, like it right? Because we were really close friends. And, you know, Robin wanted me in the band and, he, he, you know, there wasn't that connection and we had this, you know, connection, you know, I'm, I'm younger than all those guys too. So, yeah. you know, I was going, I was getting holy hell from Bobby Blotzer all the time. You know, <laughs> he really didn't like me too much. You know, Juan was, Juan was just a sweetheart, you know, was always there to, you know, teach me and, and was very, very kind. Uh, Robin, you know, we were with each other all the time. He would make me breakfast down the, in the weekends, <laughs> you know, come over here, dude. We got to work on some music, man. You know, and sit there and light a cigarette up. Hey, I got this riff. Do you have something to match? Uh, He's nice. so badass. Robin wrote, I mean, from as far as I know, he wrote all the songs, man. You know, that, that guy was a songwriting person, just crazy, amazing genius. So, wow. <laughs> but yeah, so we came in, I was rehearsing a lot of times and, you know, I have to say this back in the day, I have to give Steven so much props and so much love because he was the juggernaut that made that band happen. Yeah. The other guys, when he first got the other guys, Bobby was playing with Dawkins and so was Juan. So like, you know, when they come into rehearsal, they'd always remind Steven, you know, dude, Dawkins, my band and blah, blah, blah. I'm just doing this, you know, to help you out. And Steven was so cool. He's like, yeah, thanks man. You know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and, and, but he had a, his plan was predestined. He already knew what was going to go down. Right. He had a vision. He yeah. put it out into the world. He put it out into the universe. He knew it. You know, like I would, one of the coolest things I still remember, I, I talked to him about this all the time. He goes, ah, he starts laughing. Because <laughs> I remember all these things. I go, you would always have a calendar. And at the end of the last day of every month, 
before they got signed, he wrote, Rat will be signed on this day, <laughs> on every end of the month. So he was like, he was like hedging already. He was like, the, you know, but do you know what that is? That's one of the that's, first people that. That's the secret. You know that book, The Secret? That's the secret. <laughs> yes. Yes. It is. So he was doing The Secret a long time ago. So, wow. but I got, I was so fortunate to be able to see him and what he did and how hard he worked. And let me tell you something Stephen Piercy worked his behind off. Yeah. He worked hard. He was up every day. Posters, flyers, talking to people, connections. Every day was something. Every day was rat. Every single every day. Every day. Hardcore. And he was the reason that the band became what they became. And people will scoff me and say whatever, but him and Robin, they were the team. They were the they team. Were, they, were, they were Joe Perry and Steven Tyler yeah. of, of L.A. Well, what so, do you think about what's happening now? I mean, what are your thoughts? Because I was so excited to see the reunion at M3 last year. Like, it was tears, you know, to see them, you know. It's hard, dude. It's like, you know, people grow up and they get older. And, you know, there's, there's just things that people go through. And, you know, I, I, I don't really know what to say about any of that. You know, I, yeah. I, I, you know, I just love them so much. Uh, you never know what's going to happen, but... Uh, you know, I, I, I just love Stephen and have a lot of respect for Stephen Piercy. Uh, uh, every, you know, still, I, I love chatting with him. He always, you know, when I talk to him, he still gives me great advice That's so uh, cool. on things, you know, that, that I had, you know, things that are going on with me and say, what do you think? He's a dude, listen to me on this one, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, okay. So he's like so badass still. And, you know, he's got a new record coming out, but he, he just won't stop either. So he keeps on going. We he played going. a couple of shows with him. We played a couple of shows with them as of late, and we had a really, really good time. So I just love him with all my heart and uh, have a lot of respect for him. And uh, rest in peace to Robin Crosby, who I miss very, very much. Um, oh, I talk to Steven about him all the time, and I go, dude, I miss him so bad. He goes, dude, I miss him so fucking bad. Oh, you know, so heartbreaking. a lot of guys that, uh, yeah, it really is, you know, because a lot of the guys that uh, are friends that have passed away, I think about them all the time. I think about Janie all the time. Oh God! You know, uh, yeah. we had a really tight friendship, and uh, we were always trying to talk to each other and give each other advice when we were down. And you know, he called nice motherfucker. Like I know, man, those cocks me, whatever. You know, we'd get on the phone and start. By the time, the, by the time the, the conversation was done, we were cracking up. <laughs> I love so, it. I love it because you know it's a small club. Like that. I really miss it, him, man. It's a small club, like the group of you guys mm-hmm. that kind of yeah built this empire. And and yeah. you will always be known as this core group of people. And so you guys understand yes. each other. You have a different understanding of each other. I'd love to be a fly on a wall yes. listening to some of the conversations you guys have because it's Oh, the conversations smoke. are brutal. <laughs> sure they are. <laughs> I was just hanging with Chipson up last night and we were talking about some stuff and he goes you know, we get into these conversations and, and before we even can start, because I know what he's going to say, so we just start laughing. I go, my God, I know what you're <laughs> going to say. It's going to be brutal. He oh, goes, this is so brutal, but I got to tell you this, brother. It's like, <laughs> oh, man, it's you got to tell, that, you gotta that tell we are a little bit older. Hi. Yeah. Oh, I will for sure. I just love him. But, you know, now that we're older, I think we're able to like share stuff and, and laugh about stuff that, yeah. that we shouldn't really be laughing about. <laughs> We can now because we're at that certain point and like, hey, man, the fact that we're even doing this and people coming to the shows, we're just blessed. It's amazing. So that's, that's, that's the right attitude. That is the right attitude. And, and if you don't laugh, 
you know, you'll cry. <laughs> Because oh, totally. you guys have been through the ringer, and you, and you've come oh back, God, you yeah. come back out on the other side, and you're still standing, and you're still making people laugh, and and you're still making people dance and shake their ass, and good on you for that. Man, man. That's what it's all about to us. Yes, about dancing and shaking the ass. That's what we're all about. That's what it's Love all about, man. And bringing that. I know. Absolutely. Well, I'm so happy I got to talk to you. Yeah, and Emily. I, I, Me I, too. Seriously, we got to, I don't know when you're coming back east on this tour, but I'm going to be watching for you. Um, I think no, you guys are coming, you're coming back it's, soon. Uh, I, I got something on my calendar. Yes, I, I think we'll, we'll be there in May. So yeah. just go and check out our dates. They're all over the place and definitely. So we will, we're so grateful to have you back on Talking Metal again. It's always a pleasure to talk to Aww. you. I'm going to check you out. Everyone check out the new album. It's called From Out of the Skies. Look at your account. Look, uh, go check out uh, Twitter and the website, and you can find out all the dates when we can see uh, Bullet Boys live in concert and um, go out and support because these guys are the best. Thank you so much. And Emily, thank you for your friendship, girl, because, you know, uh, sometimes people don't realize, but you know we're good friends, and and uh, I really, really appreciate your friendship and everything that you've done for for all of us rock bands, and always pushing us and always keeping us uh, in the public eye. It means it means a lot to us. Oh, Thank you so much. That Love means you. so much to me. Love you too. I'll see you soon. Okay. Okay, honey. Take right. care. Have a great day, everybody. You Bye. Too. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>
right there some new bullet boys d evil off the new bullet boys record which is from out of the skies so definitely check that out the new bullet boys album some of that guitar that acoustic guitar you'll hear on the record was was actually dave grohl's acoustic loan to to mark to play on the record so good stuff and that's gonna do it for today's episode of talking metal big thanks to lizzie and mark for joining us thanks to dustin for helping coordinate the interview with mark and thanks to chip for helping line up the interview with lizzie borden that'll do it any final words emily i don't really have anything to say ozzy do you have anything to say our, our dog, Ozzy, 11 years old, is here on the bed with us. He's looking at yeah, me. Yeah, well, because you, you had some crackers and cheese over there. <laughs> yeah, He's so old. He is an old wolf. Yeah. And when he dies, I'm going into hiding for like two years straight, and I'm never coming out again. Yeah, he's just, he's, we've seen him just slow down. I mean, he's, he still seems happy, but he's definitely definitely slowing down yeah last night he, i think he's getting really seen out too last night he got up and was walking in circles for like five minutes and i finally turned on the light and he was like sitting there like the sphinx he finally <laughs> like settled down but it was I, really I don't weird. you know it's weird i don't remember that at oh you were all. angry really <laughs> yeah you were grouchy yeah <laughs> i was worried about him i mean i if Ozzy's up in the night, I'm up in the night. Right. So I always, you know, I always hear him. If he's licking his chops or he's uncomfortable, I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. Wow. It's so, That's... it's like I have no recollection of that. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, we digress. We like, note. we love Ozzy. Stay tuned for the very next episode of Talking Metal with Tammy Down from Faster Pussycat. Thanks. We'll see you then.